0: 50 for a highball and a buck and a half for a beer you are stumbling once again into the taking all wrong podcast as per usual i am your host jd mill welcome back to a post uh, postseason season gopher basketball edition of top pod i am joined by our basketball and gambling correspondent mr west coast jake how are you doing tonight
1: no, JD, I'm doing all right. Uh, all good things must come to an end. Um, and most mediocre things as well. And uh, go for basketball seasons tend to fall into one of those two categories. I think this year, um, the way the last few weeks played out, especially you can call it good. Uh, so sad that it's over, but um, happy about the little run we made and excited to talk about it this evening.
0: Definitely, definitely. Well, happy to have you back, and we'll do, a, I guess, a bit of a, a post-mortem on the, uh, on the postseason and the season as a whole. do want to remind everybody that Taking All Wrong is brought to you uh, by Tix Blitz. Go to TixBlitz.com, tixblit com. Use the promo code armchair, and you will get 5% off your entire order. That's TixBlitz.com. So, Jake, uh, actually... Uh, recording a kind of a second week in a row here which has been an anomaly for us during the basketball season but um, obviously the Gophers did play in the NCAA tournament um, <clears throat> started out as I'm sure everybody listening to this knows beating Louisville um, in the first round and then uh, and then falling to Michigan State in the second round on Saturday. First thing I want to touch on is uh, one thing we talked about last week that was uh, a prominent discussion was the fact that the Gophers were playing in Des Moines, just a couple hours from the twin cities. I know you got a chance to go down to the game against Louisville uh, last Thursday. Uh, give us some thoughts on, on the atmosphere and um, what it was like to to see your Gophers play in an NCAA tournament game.
1: Yeah. So it was a ton of fun. Um, great, great atmosphere. It was The second NCAA game I had seen the Gophers play in person. I went two years ago to Milwaukee as well. So the first time I I had seen them get a win, which was pretty awesome. And my dad's actually first NCAA game ever. uh, So he's undefeated. We probably should have figured out a way to to ship him back to Des Moines on Saturday. Uh, But at any rate, you know, there was a sort of nice evening before and morning of pregame events. Uh, great crowd. The band comes and sort of plays at the bar where all the Gopher fans are congregated ahead of time. And then in the arena, uh, to the extent people couldn't tell this on TV, it was heavily, heavily pro Gophers. And that was really cool to see. It was great to see the, you know, the number of fans that had sort of made the drive or if they live closer to Des Moines, just made their way over to the arena. Uh, what's sort of interesting about these NCAA games is the lower levels are sort of walled off for each of the four schools that plays in a session to distribute to donors, big hitters, friends and family, all that good stuff. So especially with us playing in the first game, a lot of Michigan State Bradley fans were trickling in throughout. And so at the beginning of the first game, The lower level was maybe half full, but the second and third bowls were actually like absolutely packed, um, literally at capacity. And it was a significant majority gopher fans. So that was very cool. The lower level did ultimately sort of fill out by partway through the first game. But it was just great to see a packed house. Uh, a group of enthusiastic gopher fans and you know the team shouted it out afterwards too so great for the team to have that sport and great for fans who probably haven't seen many if any ncaa wins in person to be able to go down there and see one nearby uh, and beat a really good louisville team got a chance then
0: uh, obviously to to get the win gophers up at halftime over louisville Uh, do end up winning the game by 10 points. Um, really interesting, um, effort from an offensive standpoint, you get zero points from your bench, but every single starter scored, uh, in double digits, everybody had at least 13 points, McBrayer and Oturu with 13 Murphy and coffee, both with 18 and Calcher um, obviously goes off, um, goes five of 11 from three point range ends up with 24 points. I felt like this was the offense that we talked about all year um, that we could have. We knew that we had three or four guys that can kind of go off at, at any given moment. And we, we had a, a game where sort of everybody sort of did that. Everybody had that type of a game. I'm curious if you saw something different from an offensive standpoint, or do you think it was just, These players just rising to to the occasion of being in the NCAA tournament?
1: I think to some extent it it was a little bit rising to the occasion. It was several guys having good games at the same time, which, wow, what a fantastic time to have that happen, right? All five starters had an offensive rating of over 120, 100s average. So that's very, very good to be clear. We shot 41% from three, which to fans who have followed the Gophers closely all year feels otherworldly. In reality, that should be a good shooting game, but it's not something that's such a huge anomaly. And so it was a, a big relief to see us hit some shots in the biggest game of the season and shoot well above our season average from deep. But I think a lot of that was a function of getting the ball inside to Jordan Murphy. And then when double teams came kicking the ball out and swinging it around as needed and then getting out in the open floor and not necessarily slowing the ball down, taking the air out of the ball and just waiting to grind it out in the half court, but opportunistically running in transition or running the secondary break. It just felt like another one of those games, Indiana felt this way. Iowa felt this way uh, probably because they have horrible defense, but one of those games where from the beginning we had Uh, pretty good ball movement flow, and it's just a matter of we're getting up good shots. These are going to fall. Now, I didn't feel that way necessarily from the opening tip in this game against Louisville. I thought we came out pretty tight, but once we got settled in five or six minutes in, it was pretty clear that we knew where we'd be able to exploit mismatches, and if they tried to cover us one-on-one in the post, one of our big guys was going to be able to get a good shot down low, and when they came and doubled or when we had opportunities to run, we could drive and kick or swing the ball around and ultimately get an open look. So I, I think more than anything, just one of those games where your movement and flow is clicking on all cylinders. And then to finally have a key game where you shoot above average from three is, is huge and hopefully will uh, be big for a few of these guys confidence going forward as well. Right.
0: Um, so Gulfs were at one point up, I believe 16 points. It might've been more than that actually uh, in the second half Uh, did sort of uh, down the stretch uh, feel a little bit tight. Um, I'd be curious of your thoughts on that. I was out of town for work, um, but I was able to catch the second half from a Buffalo wild wings. And I was sitting at the bar next to a, a guy who, picked up pretty quickly that I was a Gopher fan and he had told me that, you know, I bet on the Gophers. I always bet on the first, uh, game of the tournament and he had gotten the Gophers plus six. So he was just kind of, you know, he was obviously cheering for the Gophers, but this guy was absolutely beside himself that, um, Patino still had the starters in, um, with like four minutes left in the game. Um, I mean, he, he was like, why does he still have the starters? And he shouldn't, he shouldn't be, uh, playing these guys. Somebody's going to get hurt. They got to play Michigan state on Saturday. They're going to get it handed to them by Michigan state. And I'm like, we were, we were only up 10 at the time. There's four minutes left in the game. And I was like, okay, guy, first, you don't know this team. Second, if you're watching, the Gophers are having trouble breaking this press. I don't think our backups are going to be able to do any better. Um, but I just was curious what your sort of feeling was being at the game during that kind of the, the fourth quarter of the game, I guess when it sort of felt like there was this moment of we were maybe playing a little tight and, oh my gosh, all of a sudden it's a lot closer in the, than, than we want it to be.
1: <laughs> it's a great point. So, I like to go back on Ken Palm afterwards and look at the win probability chart. He does every sort of score or event throughout the game, how the win probability changes. And in the last 12 minutes, we were never under 94% chance to win. It never feels like that live. And, I'm skeptical that that's in any way accurate as it pertains to gopher sporting events specifically because uh, I think we've all <laughs> seen this unfold more than 6% of the time. But it, yeah. <laughs> it, in any it case... Feels, it
0: might feel like we have a 94% chance of winning, but it actually, in our hearts, feel like we only have a 6% chance.
1: Yeah, it's like we have, we're we we're trying to pull off the miracle here. Uh, but I, I remember specifically... 45 seconds left. We're up by eight or nine. We get fouled. And Dupree starts sort of raising the roof. And I just had a flashback to when they did the same thing with 30 (laughs) seconds left against Purdue and then almost lost that game at home. Um, And then we had a turnover off Gabe Calcher out of bounds. And they had a three-pointer to cut it to five. I think when that missed, I finally exhaled because I was like, okay, still, I was doing the math. Like, 14 seconds left ahead by eight if michael hurt just throws the ball to the other end of the court and turns it over every time they can't run back down fast enough to hit three threes so we're probably okay like (laughs) that is the mindset of the gopher fan in the moment uh but i don't think they ever got closer to closer than seven so as terrible as it felt at the time you look back and you're like, wow, we really pulled away and we we didn't blow them out, but we solidly beat that team uh, right. more or less start to finish. So great to see, but, you know, a, a few issues inbounding the ball, but once the ball was in, our guards handled it really well against the pressure. So I was encouraged to see that part of it.
0: Yeah. But still, uh up 10 with 4 minutes left players pull, pull all your starters right in the NCAA tournament when you've won one NCAA tournament game in the last 29 years officially <laughs> pull your I, starters I'm not
1: yeah I'm not sure I'd pull my starters up 10 with four seconds left if i'm the gophers <laughs> that's,
0: that's exactly where i was and i i this guy had <laughs> had several cocktails and i was stone cold sober and i wasn't really in the mood to try to explain this to him while well, i'm also trying to keep an eye on the tv but uh anyways <clears throat> i uh we'll, we'll move on gophers do win they get the uh second round matchup that we all uh anticipated which was against uh the uh, other big 10 team uh michigan state and um I don't know how much time we want to spend on this, but this game did not go our way from the tip. Uh, Gophers score only 19 points uh, in the first half, uh, are down by 14 at at half, and uh, do end up losing by 20 points. Of course, probably the big story of this game was uh, Jordan Murphy, who did um, end up getting hurt in the Louisville game, uh, was expected to be able to play, and uh, was uh, apparently feeling good going into the Michigan State game, but... Um, very quickly in the game, um, goes down, hurt again. Apparently it was his back. Uh, Murphy only ends up playing four points in the game. Uh, We did get a huge game from Amir Coffey with 27 points, but nobody else on the Gophers uh, scored in double digits. Uh, It was uh, just a very, very different game than than against Louisville, obviously against uh, much better competition, but it does end the Gophers' season with a 70-50 lost to Michigan State. Um, you did not go to the Saturday game, correct, Jake?
1: I was not able to make it Saturday. Nope. Okay.
0: Um, what were your thoughts watching it from home? And um, I mean, I guess comment what how, however you want on the game, but also uh, just talk a little bit about What you were thinking as you're kind of watching what's going on with Murphy, both kind of not being able to play in the first half and then obviously late in the game, um, Coach Patino does put Murphy in um, for a very emotional uh, moment to be able to kind of uh, get his last dues as a gopher.
1: First of all, I was sort of hoping and for a few minutes thinking that we might get to play Bradley. Because after our Louisville game. game on Thursday, we stuck around to watch the first 10 minutes or so of game time. And then we had other stuff going on in the cities in the evening. So we had to hit the road and head back. So I, of course, bought an expanded data plan and was sort of streaming games to my phone and computer on the drive home. And it was crazy how close that game was. I thought there was legitimately a shot we would face a 15 seed to go to the Sweet 16. which is actually similar to how Clem Haskins made his first Sweet 16 run, I believe. We were a 6 seed, I think, and then the 3 got upset by a 14, so we got to play 14 seed Sienna to go to the Sweet 16. I was hoping history would sort of repeat itself. The Once the opponent was Michigan State, you obviously figure you're pretty undermanned, but as we talked about, there is that aspect where you've seen them before, and you've seen them sort of lose to some common opponents. There's maybe less degree of intimidation. Uh, I was, I would say, optimistic, knowing it was only upside going into the game. But as soon as you find out Jordan Murphy is effectively done three or four minutes in, you're just, you know, you're already undermanned. You're already a long shot. You're just so undermanned at that point uh, that it's not realistic to sort of expect too much out of this team. I thought Amir Coffee chucked a lot of shots probably basically the only thing you can do at that point so no problem at all with that just trying to do whatever you can to will's team to victory obviously we shot poorly it's tough when you don't have that low post threat drawing double teams and then kicking the ball out i thought it was interesting that at halftime we made some significant adjustments and sort of went four guards pressured a little bit more on the ball it actually made a little bit run, a little bit of a run down to nine points where I never thought we'd win, but I was excited that we were making it a game. And then Cassius Winston, wow, just took over. The, his first jumper to extend it back to 11 was absolutely perfect defense, hand in his face. He stepped back, nails an 18-footer. It's just like, well, that's why you're the Big Ten player of the year. Sometimes the other team's just better than you. And for Jordan Murphy, obviously very frustrating that he had to finish his career sort of watching most of the game and unable to play and contribute. I think it's frustrating as fans, too, knowing that you were 40 minutes away from a Sweet 16. At the end of the day, we were double-digit underdogs going into this game with a healthy Murphy. And so the fact that he was able to go out winning an NCAA tournament game getting a legitimate curtain call from a very pro gopher crowd, he'll be able to look back and be very proud of that. Obviously, incredibly frustrating in the moment. You'd love to have your full arsenal and, and have a punter's chance in that game. But injuries happen. Michigan State had injuries too. They've happened to us the last couple NCAA tournaments at literally the worst possible player, worst possible time. Uh, but still, you have to sort of look back, take a step back, and – and be sort of thankful for obviously everything Murphy gave to the program.
0: Yeah, without question. It, it was, uh, it was definitely an emotional moment when, when he got to go back in. And obviously, you know, once he sort of broke down when he was subbed in there at the, at the end, um, you know, got a little dusty in my living room. Uh, so that was uh that was a tough thing, but um, you know it's it's ironic to have him go out that way when he um, hadn't missed a game or a practice apparently his entire career um, at the u so uh, so that was unfortunate but um, other thing that was unfortunate was that there was just nobody uh, there was no team effort there that that could pick up uh, where w- what he he had left um, the Gophers just after a, a very good shooting game uh, against, or well, I'm sorry, you said it wasn't a very good shooting game. It was a uh, a fair shooting game, I guess, against Louisville, but very good. Uh, felt like by Gopher standards through this season, um, Great they go for into us, Michigan yeah. State. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they uh, they go they um, take on Michigan State, and um, I'm just gonna say it: we shit the bed. Uh, Gophers go. Uh, uh 30% uh from from uh from the field 9.1% 2 of 22 shooting from three point range only Amir Coffee and Isaiah Washington uh, made three pointers one each everybody else uh, was 0 for including Gabe Caulser who was 0 for four. Um, so, uh, a, a, a tough way to, uh, to end the season. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit more about Jordan Murphy. Um, uh, full disclosure, I've followed the Gophers more closely this year than I have, um, probably in, in many years. So I don't have the, uh, the, as, as much experience probably as you do watching Jordan Murphy, obviously, um, you know, fully understand what he means to this team and kind of where he, he stacks up as a gopher all time and, and, uh, and where he was as far as the, the big 10 this year. But um, just talk a little bit about Jordan Murphy um, just as a whole to this gopher team and, uh, and, and kind of how he maybe where he was able to help this program build a little bit at, at his time, as his time with the gophers, the,
1: best way to articulate or think about this might actually be to take a look at his freshman year to start and he was very good for a freshman he was already an elite rebounder top 100 in the country in defensive rebound percentage he was seventh in the conference uh decent defender from a blocks perspective he, he fouled a lot um but he sort of did his job. He made twos down in the paint. He obviously was not really a shooter, but he hit 61% of his free throws. So you look at that and say, definitely the bright spot of that season, because that was the year we went 8-23 and or whatever it was. Now, imagine a world, because he thought about it, where he transfers after his freshman year, after only winning eight games, after Mason, McBrayer, and Kevin Dorsey got suspended for the end of the season. Uh, Patino is definitely not still around in that scenario. We probably have no NCAA appearances. We certainly don't have any NCAA wins. And I Lord only knows where this program's at. Do we finish above Northwestern this year? I have no clue. Um, He's been that important to this program from the standpoint of, Improvement every year, his offensive rating has gone up every year, even as he's, you know, become one of the two key offensive threats, as opposed to early in his career when he was a lot of rebounds and put put backs. Um, He's just maintained that consistency of elite rebounding every single year, sophomore year, fifth, junior year, fourth, senior year, third in terms of defensive rebound rate in the Big Ten. Um, and he's not playing next to scrubs at the center position either. He had Oturu and Reggie Lynch also grabbing boards next to him for a lot of this. And his double doubles, the fact that he's maybe six, six, um, playing the power forward position, defending the power forward position, and not just doing it, like not just getting by doing it at an elite level night in and night out is absolutely unbelievable. Um, in terms of sort of pound for pound or by size, his ability to grab rebounds, his hands, his ability to fight underneath on the glass and then get back up and, and dunk or put in putbacks is, is pretty, pretty much unmatched for that 6'6 six, six power forward spot. And so what he's been able to do on a, on a consistent basis and doing things the right way uh, throughout all his four years has been really special. Uh, one of my favorite gophers in a long time, Obviously, one of the all-time great uh, gophers. The rebounding and, and total points numbers speak for themselves. And excited to see his number hang in the barn someday. Uh, so, congrats, Jordan. You know, again, we talked about it a little bit when we were talking about Michigan State. Super frustrating, and, and to your point, ironic way to go out. But um, as I as I tweeted uh, on Saturday night, NCAA wins are hard to come by, and they're good and one of the best players in gopher history went out and got us one this year in his senior season. So definitely be proud of that. Uh, huge shout out to Jordan Murphy and all time gopher. Great.
0: Yeah. W- without question. Uh, that's, uh, that's a number that you're going to see hanging in the rafters and, um, you know, really somebody, you, you make an interesting point. Um, it's probably not out of the, uh, it's probably not hyperbole to say that, uh, Richard Patino in some sense, owes his job to Jordan Murphy. Um, so both sticking around and uh, hanging out, or uh, excuse me, kind of like you said, willing the Gophers to go first to, uh, to an NCAA tournament victory. So um, let's let's chat a little bit about the the season as a whole. I know we did a bit of a a season recap last week, um, but I think it's I think it's worthwhile to sort of take a look at at where this team ended up because, you know, there was a little bit of <clears throat> chatter on Twitter as far as, you know, this, this, uh, this wasn't a good season, this, um, and, you know, the Gophers should have, should have accomplished more. And, um, you know, just a, a lot of sort of naysaying after uh, the season ended. But, you know, I think it's important to, to sort of take a look at um, how we ended, um, obviously, you know winning a couple games in the Big Ten tournament, uh, winning a um, uh, an NCAA tournament game, um, and and sort of how that solidifies. I mean, at, from a postseason standpoint, um, you know simple way to put it but the Gophers went three and two in the postseason everybody except one team that goes to the NCAA tournament ends their season with a loss so um, you know that was that number was going to be there either way but um, how how do you feel like from uh, from the standpoint of this season as a whole I know we talked about last week that it was sort of like if you just looked at things from a win-loss standpoint you kind of would take where we ended up but 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 talk maybe a little bit about how we finished versus how this season went and maybe what what that means for potentially the future of the program.
1: So I think how we finished uh, was exciting and meaningful and allows us to view the season in a little bit different lens. Uh, As we just said, NCAA wins not super common for this program. Not only did we get one, but we got one over a very good team that frankly was probably under because they were 17th or 18th in, in Ken Palm before the start of the NCAA tournament. And so to go out and get an NCAA win, that, that in and of itself is the type of thing that if you were letter grading our season can bump you up almost a full grade. Um, to talk about, you know, how we finished, I think one thing we had mentioned that we hadn't seen as much of late in the season, and granted there were blowouts to Michigan and Michigan State on neutral floors, but you know, severely undermanned and or fatigued in those scenarios. So a little bit different than the at Illinois, at Boston College, at Ohio State type games earlier in the season where we just didn't show up. So I think those are disappointing and, again, probably play a little bit into perception of the season. Uh, But I think I want to make a comparison here, and uh, fans of my Wisconsin sucks shtick, which is actually just a fact, not a shtick, will probably appreciate this. But let's compare ourselves to our our biggest rival for a moment. They finished ahead of us in the standings. uh, So sort of point to them. But I'll point out that the schedules are unbalanced in the Big Ten. They didn't have to go to Purdue. They didn't have to go to Michigan State. And yes, they were more consistent uh, than us against the crappy teams in the conference uh, to the extent that there were any, the Illinois, Nebraskas, et cetera. But we split with Wisconsin head-to-head. We made it to the same place in the Big Ten tournament. And we made it further in the NCAA tournament. Furthermore, what are our best wins? We beat Purdue twice, once on a neutral floor. We beat Louisville, a top 20 Kenpom team, on a neutral floor. We beat Washington on a neutral floor, who's a 9 seed that has a ton of talent. Uh, we beat Iowa, who's a 10 seed who won a game and took Tennessee to OT in the tournament. Wisconsin beat Michigan at home, and then what's their second best win? Is it at Minnesota? Is it Oklahoma yeah. on a neutral floor? I I mean, they didn't, they beat shitty teams and lost every good team they played besides Michigan at home when Michigan sort of laid an egg. Um, and so, you th- like, I, you know, I aspire to have the consistency where we're not losing at Illinois, at Nebraska, at Rutgers. That would be fantastic and make everyone feel better about the season. But this team, displayed its talent against some of its co- toughest competition and that's what let us get to the big 10 semis get to the second round of the ncaa tournament and you know that talent you'd love to bring it every single night but it's showing up for the special senior night for our first ncaa win in six years for a gutsy big 10 tournament run that who knows we may have needed to at least stay out of the first four and and play in the real first round when the tournament starts uh that's huge. That's big. And that in, in my eyes made it a fun season and obviously a a really fun ending down the stretch here the last three weeks or so. I, I agree. I think, I think it
0: was good. You know, Gophers do end up with, uh, with 22 wins, 22 and 14 on the season. Um, You kind of look at after that loss to Rutgers where it was sort of like, okay, we're in trouble. We're in, we're in legitimate uh, territory where we might not make the tournament. Uh, uh, Richard Pitino's job is in serious jeopardy. And oh, by the way, the season's almost over. Um, Gophers go out, uh, beat Northwestern, beat a ranked Purdue, um, do lose uh, to Maryland, but then beat Penn State, beat Purdue again um, in the Big Ten tournament, um, and then go on to to win a uh, NCAA tournament game. So, um You know, if you're somebody who just wants to uh, to um, uh, sort of enjoy the the um, Schadenfreude of uh, of sports and just think that hey, this is uh, the Gophers uh, should enjoy this because this is all the success they're ever going to get, then that's probably your opinion on all of it anyway. Um, But I think to really look at it. Um, objectively, and, and and for sure, as a Gopher fan, you have to look at um, a, a pretty decent season um, for the Gophers. So um, I, I won.
1: I I have to wonder when's the last time we beat a Big Ten champion or co-champion twice in one season, let alone in the span of ten days. And right. Purdue is a legitimately very good team. They're in the Sweet Sixteen. They just beat. The Big East champion Villanova by a million points in the second round uh, to, to go out and, and beat them head to head twice in 10 days. That's really special. Like that is a statement. That's saying something.
0: Well, overall, uh, I think a pretty fun end to the season, especially if you look sort of at that last 10 games. And um, it's nice to see different gophers step up and uh, in different ways. Obviously, uh, Jordan Murphy so consistent all the time. Amir uh, with a great end to the season. Uh, we had good Amir uh, for the most part through the last 10 games or so. Uh, Kelsher stepping up. Oturu um, looking like uh, looking like he's got a very bright future. So, uh, Well, I think that'll do it for us as far as the 2018-2019 uh, the season. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll look ahead to... The 2019 2020 season and potentially beyond, you are listening to Taken All Wrong.
1: feel like it was my ego. Maybe it's my decisions. Anyways, here we go. No Welcome
0: back to Taking All wrong. wrong. Thanks for sticking with us. I want to remind you, as always, Taking All Wrong is brought to you by MyBookie. Go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code WRONG25 and you'll get some goodies for your first deposit. It's mybookie.ag. I uh, want to take uh, some time and, uh, and take some listener questions. I did... Uh, put out a a call for questions today, and we did get a few that came in. So thanks to everybody that uh, participated in that. As always, I want to remind you as listeners, if you want to um, reach out to us, you can find me on Twitter, at JDMill. You can find West Coast Jake, actually, at, at West underscore Coast underscore Jack. Uh, Just to uh, be clear, that's Jack on the Twitter handle, but uh, I do call him Jake here on the podcast. We'll let you uh, take a guess as to uh, which is the real name, but uh, did want to get a chance to go through and uh, do some questions from our listeners. Uh, We'll start out with Mr. Mitch Rigdon, who has been uh, uh, active here the last couple of weeks, um, listening to Top Pod and responding to questions uh he had a few questions so we'll start out um and this one specifically is for you jake besides watching the gopher games was there anything quote unquote good in iowa i heard something about a zombie burger did you take part in that
1: i certainly did so there were two good things in iowa that are non-gopher related the first is shout out zombie burger I think there's a few locations in Iowa, but one of them's right in Des Moines, right across the river from where the games were. They just have these ridiculous burger concoctions uh, with, you know, fantastic combinations of ingredients. And so I had a sort of uh, breakfast style burger and then tried a barbecue style burger. Uh, Very, very good. Um, Not surprising that Iowa does beef reasonably well. Uh, so shout out Zombie Burger for a delicious meal, and then the other thing is Johnny's, where the pregame rally was held. Uh, had McGoldens, so I was able to drink McGoldens in Iowa. Yes, so shout out Iowa for if nothing else, getting your beer choice right. Oh man, wow! Way to go, Iowa. Um, I one question, I follow
0: up question I do have. You mentioned a breakfast burger and a barbecue burger. Uh, same sitting, or were these two separate visits?
1: <laughs> uh, same sitting, but uh, trying a bite of my dad's burger oh, and not eating okay. two burgers myself. Okay,
0: all right. <laughs> I
1: was uh, I was quite impressed. Excellent question. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Mitch's second question, thoughts on O'Mersa's play at the end of the year? Haven't seen much offensively from him.
1: I was pretty impressed by his defense, positioning, rebounding. I think he had three or four steals against Michigan State. So very encouraging to see him look like he belongs on the basketball court. Has definitely progressed throughout his freshman year. I don't see a ton of offense from him either and don't expect a ton next year but if he can be that sort of I think a little bit similar to freshman year jordan murphy in terms of his role next year uh getting getting on the glass um putbacks when needed obviously some highlight reel donks that we're sure to see as as he picks up more minutes and so jordan Murphy's a very tough comparison and difficult act to follow but when you think about that type of role that jordan had as an underclassman the guy who cleans the glass the guy who gets you know Five six points a game on putbacks, and uh, Jarvis can really run the floor and and dunk at the rim. So it'll be it'll be fun to see that. But I don't expect him to shoot a bunch of threes like he did a couple times against Michigan State. That's probably a function of uh, having the freedom that comes with knowing you're one of only about five healthy players on the roster.
0: I'll tell you what I love about Omersa is you know freshman. Played a fair amount very early in the season in the non-conference before uh, Eric Curry was ready to come back. But once, uh, you know, Curry came back, he he really, O'Mersa really was a bench player or, or was on the bench. I mean, he really didn't play. What I loved about him, though, was he was like the lead cheerleader on the bench and was fired up, was engaged in the game, was, was, um, Supporting his teammates, I feel like he's the kind of player that PJ Fleck, to borrow from football, really loves. Somebody who's just really bought into uh, his team and his teammates, and I thought that was awesome. It was fun to see him sort of bring that same energy into the game. And uh, you know, I I agree. I don't know offensively if he's going to be that guy, but, um, certainly is going to be somebody that can give you some quality minutes. And, uh, I, I'm excited to see what, um, what Jordan Romersa is able to, um, to be to this team going forward. Uh, next question from Mitch, what positions or position do they use their open scholarships on? This is definitely a question for you. I know you're much more (laughs) plugged into sort of Uh, what the recruiting situation is but uh, what does that look like from a scholarship standpoint
1: as of today there are four scholarships for next year we've signed trey williams who's a sort of shooting guard or small forward he's a wing so we have three open slots Uh, Ryan James, who's at at 247, did an excellent analysis last offseason, which showed that for like two decades, someone has transferred every year. So we don't need to speculate on that, but let's just say we have four additional open slots still. I would expect one guard, so a point guard or combo guard. I'd expect one wing, and then I would expect two big guys, especially with Eric Curry's health being a little bit uncertain. And I don't think all four of those are high schoolers. I think in particular, one of the bigs is ideally a transfer, or even a grad transfer that you can sort of plug and play if it does take Eric some time to get back into the lineup and Jarvis O'Mersa is not quite ready for a huge load of minutes. Um, I think having more optionality at at those post positions will be really important. And so I'd look for that to sort of be the breakdown. I think when you look at... uh, next year which i know we'll get to uh the front court depth is sort of the immediate concern with the development and sort of uncertainty around some of the health stuff and the fact that big guys are in foul trouble a decent amount uh so shoring that up i think will be pretty important i'd look to spend a couple slots on that and the rest on guard, wing, best player available types. So
0: Mitch's last question is re- in
1: regards starting
0: lineup for 2018 with current players slash signees. We're going to um, touch on that in our last um, sort of half of the segment here. So we'll move on. Uh, Mr. Ben Dawson, um, ever uh, the interesting Twitter follow, did respond to my uh, question looking for gopher basketball um, season in CAA tournament questions with a question about uh, Gable Stevenson uh, becoming a passive wrestler when he's facing Anthony Cassar, We'll save that one for uh, next time we have Stepper on for a non-revenue roundup. I uh, did ask a question about Manchester United. Um, I'm, I'm not going to touch that one. I don't know if you uh, follow that at all. I think that's a, a soccer question.
1: But lastly, I know they're a soccer team. That's what yeah, I yeah that's
0: that's, that's <laughs> what I kind of I, I think that as well um, last question also was about Omersa. Omersa looks like he could replace Murphy defensively, but who gets the 14 and a half points a game that he adds uh, I think we'll touch on that in our last segment as well because um, I do have some thoughts on that so uh, so we'll leave that one uh, we'll leave that one be uh, the next question. Uh, comes from uh, again friend of the pod, Sebastian Crump, who I believe you affectionately referred to as Seabass last week. Question is thoughts on the free jelly movement going on. Uh, what are what are what, where where are you at on jelly here as the uh, as the season has ended? I know that in the post game uh, discussions, interviews yesterday. I'm sorry, on Saturday. Apparently, he did mention several times that he intends to be back with the Gophers next year. But uh, where are you at on uh, Isaiah Washington?
1: He actually looked okay in the Michigan State game, right? Now, granted, that's a pretty pressureless situation to. Second beat. leading scorer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to, to get thrown in there when you're already down 15, 20 points and you sort of know. All right, coach must really be desperate uh, because I haven't really gotten off the bench in in a month, and now I'm playing big minutes. But I thought he did, you know, acquit himself pretty well. He played under control. He didn't have any assists, oddly, but had some really nice passes that uh, either did not end up being finished for layups, or you know, another pass was made after that to result in a basket and. You know, I thought he played under control. I thought he was fine within the system. I, I get a kick out of reporters asking him immediately after the game whether he's coming back next year as if he would say no in the locker room immediately following the NCAA tournament loss and end of season. So Was it a conference reporter? Uh I uh, I have no idea. Um, I do not think it's the same person that asked him in a press conference earlier this year um, if he had thought about transferring. (laughs) Um, So, look, I don't know that he'll 100% be back next year. I do think he has something to give to the team. I think potentially having him in a rotation with Marcus Carr could be valuable to him because you don't have to massively change your game plan based on whether you get good Isaiah or bad Isaiah, because this year if we had good Isaiah, we sort of ran a completely different offense than if we had Gabe Dupree and and Amir as our guards. And so I think Carr and Isaiah will be a little bit more similar in terms of what they do with the offense and might allow you to get a bit more steady rotation. So I, I do think he can still be a program contributor. I think he can have a good junior and senior year. Um I I personally hope he's he's willing to stick it out but we sort of saw his playing time over the last month and so I also understand if he wants to go in a different direction and that all remains to be seen it's going to be part of the fun of the off season along with the spring recruiting and transfer market
0: all right right well um let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, and thank you everybody for your questions again as always use the hashtag topod T-A-W-P-O-D, if you want to ask us questions um, and uh, and find us on Twitter. Uh, we do appreciate your interaction that way. Um, let's go ahead and kind of look forward um, and talk about the 2019- 2020 season. Um, obviously, we do lose um, uh, Jordan Murphy, Dupree McBrayer, Matt Stockman, um, so we won't have those uh, gentlemen available next year. But there sort of seems to be this sentiment out there. And I guess I saw it on Twitter um, a few times over the last couple of days that the Gophers are going to take a major dive next year without Murphy. And um, I had asked, I, I, Jake and I talked before, the show that we wanted to uh, address this generally uh, I'm adding a little bit of color and Jake is, uh, is uh, actually giving the details here, but I, I wanted to give my thoughts on, on where I see the team next year and and let him fill in the blanks because um, I, I, I'm kind of, it, it annoys me that, that we see these, this sentiment about, about the Gophers taking a dive next year. This kind of stuff happens every year. Great players in college sports graduate every year. Every single year, teams rebound following these seasons by great players. And I feel like this attitude that you're losing your best player and so next the following year you're going to tank is an attitude that comes from the fact that at, in Minnesota, in the Twin Cities, we're a pro sports focused uh, uh, market and to assume that nobody, whether it be a single player uh, or a couple of players are going to pick up uh, Jordan Murphy's production, you know, go out and, and, and pick up that 14 points and 11 rebounds per game is really just insulting to just assume that those numbers are gone is really just in my opinion, a lack of understanding of, of how college sports work. So I guess uh, here's what I'd I'd project for next year based on who's on the roster today and sort of what we kind of know now. Um, um, Marcus Carr, transfer from Pitt, who had to sit out this year. Nobody really understands why he had to sit out this year, Um, but I I think he'll come in and and be able to sort of provide that true freshman point guard um, that the Gophers needed while also a guy that that can sort of create his own shot. Um Carr averaged 10 points per game um as a freshman at Pitt, so that will be interesting. Gabe obviously uh coming back, uh that's that's 10 points per game from this season, Amir 16 and a half points per game. Uh Oturu averaged about 11 points per game this year. And then for that fifth starter, um, who knows if we're going to have Eric Curry back from an injury standpoint, but uh, some combination of uh, probably Curry or O'Mersa um, in that four spot, I would say, for the Gophers. We don't know what what's going to happen with Curry, so obviously that's kind of tricky. But I don't think it's crazy to think that you can make up Murphy's 14 points per game through a combination of Amir Coffee. Um, Oturu, who I continue to think is going to be a beast as he matures, especially mentally. I think physically, he's very close. I know from an injury standpoint, I think he had a soldier, shoulder injury coming into the season, so wasn't really able to uh, lift weights or put on too much weight. But physically, I think he's he's already very good. I think mentally, he had some breakdowns this year and uh, you know, some bad fouls and some of those kind of things. But I think he's going to be very good, Gabe, um, who did have a tendency to to disappear this year. But in my opinion, we can probably blame that on the offense as much as just being a first year player and sort of navigating being in the NCAA. Um, and then Carr. So I think from an offensive standpoint, making up those fourteen points, um, you know, I think to to spread that around a little bit isn't um, isn't a crazy thing. Plus, don't underestimate. Uh, what this team could be with somebody like Marcus Carr, who's actually a true point guard and who can distribute as well as create his own shot. Um, I think that creates a very di- different dynamic um, for this offense, maybe actually creates a semblance of an offense while for freeing Amir Coffey and Gabe Kalcher to do some other things. Um, obviously, I think replacing Murphy's 11 rebounds per game is probably a taller task um, that's probably going to be more so again, uh, kind of a, a committee to, to replace that. I think the biggest concern for me from a lineup standpoint for next year is the front court from a bench standpoint, you're going to probably have Curry or Omersa, um, coming off the bench and that's really about it. As you mentioned, Jake, um, you know, with one of those scholarship spots, obviously, hopefully get one or two bigs, um, Hopefully, somebody that has a little bit of experience, so they can get plugged in right away. Um, other bench players, you're going to have Isaiah Washington, hopefully, um, who you know we think will be back and, and should be better. Um, hopefully, is uh, is in a better spot and, and gets a chance to sort of have sort of a, a, a situation with Marcus Carr, where where we do have a true point guard presence on this team. Uh, Michael Hurt, who Provides much needed depth on this team. Uh, Even though I made a terrible joke about him on Twitter, I do I do stand by that joke that I made. Um, And then what about Peyton Willis? I I actually don't know much about him at all, but he did play a couple years at Vandy, so at least there's some experience there. A guy that can probably provide some depth. So maybe Jake can tell us a little bit more about him. But that's kind of my take, Jake. On the lineup for next year, not taking into account anything in regards to recruiting. uh, Who you mentioned the, uh, I think Trey Williams that we do have signed, um, or any potential transfers taking uh, taking effect. And then obviously, I'm taking a complete guess that Eric Curry will be healthy. But um, Jake, that's that's my long winded take on it. Tell tell me why I'm wrong, or uh, fill in some gaps to uh, to make us feel better about next year. (laughs)
1: yeah i completely agree with with almost everything you said i think the people who look at (laughs) the, the people who look at us losing you know our best player at losing two starters and say oh we'll definitely be worse next year clearly haven't gone team by team and seen who's losing clearly forget the fact that it's college and players get better from year to year and oftentimes they get a lot better from year to year, particularly when you think that we started two freshmen who were learning on the job throughout the season and who have both showed awesome promise. Um, So very encouraged uh, with respect to in particular, uh, Gabe and Daniel's future and that we won an NCAA game somehow without a, a peer point guard. And, As much as that was tough on Amir at times, I think it did make him a better player. I think hopefully he gets moved back to the wing for the bulk of minutes his senior season, but will still be more adept at playing spot point guard minutes if he needs to or running the break on his own more often because of that experience he got. And I completely agree with you on on Marcus Carr helping the the flow in the offensive system. Um, When we think about the depth, it's just hard from the front court standpoint because we haven't gone through recruiting yet. So we have no front court depth yet. And that's where you really need one to two guys to, to get picked up in the spring here in the off season. But when you look at the back court, assuming your starting lineup is correct, which I agree with uh, Carr, Kalsher, and, and Coffee, we already have Peyton Willis, who you mentioned played two years at Vandy, D's, 35% ish from three as well as Trey Williams, who had a fantastic uh, prep year, um, and then Isaiah and, and Michael, who's more of a 3-4. So I think you arguably, could, assuming folks are, are healthy and ready to go next year, arguably have more backcourt depth already, as it stands today, uh, for next year than we did this year in terms of quality depth. And that's even before potentially signing, signing another guard-slash-wing. And so this conversation makes it even more clear that going out and getting front court court help is key, Uh, but from a a talent perspective and from what we have returning and and the growth we saw this year, I think there's no reason to expect less than a a team that's solidly back in the NCAA tournament again next season for what would be the third time in four years.
0: Well, I feel good that you Agreed with me for the most part. Cause uh, I came up with all those thoughts almost uh, entirely on my own. So almost no help from Twitter or my wife, who's a great basketball mind. So uh, that was fun. <laughs> hey, um, I think that's going to do it for us. I, I want to thank Jake. Um, it's been a lot of fun. We, we tried to do the, the, um, the podcast last basketball season, and I think we lost um, interest pretty early when the Gophers just weren't playing well. So when they
1: lost interest, we did yeah, too. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> um, so it was fun that that the team uh, continued to win some games and keep us interested. And, uh, I want to thank you personally. Um, I've learned a ton from you this season and, um, it's really helped me to, uh, to stay engaged with the team. So, uh, really appreciate your contribution, contribution, excuse me, um, on the podcast throughout the basketball season. Um, any, any parting, uh, parting thoughts for, uh, for you for this basketball season?
1: No, uh, it's it's been an absolute pleasure to be on the pod regularly. Uh, shout out to the five outgoing seniors. Uh, sort of a special story for especially each of the each of the three that were here through their in, entire time in school. Um, we hit on Jordan Murphy. Everyone knows the Dupree McBrayer story, and don't let Jarvis Johnson get lost in the shuffle. Uh, first local Minneapolis recruit of of the Patino era. So. As much as Patino is terrible and never recruits Minnesota guys, uh, it seems like we're doing okay in state. <laughs> Thread bend there. But uh, all the seniors <laughs> made it an extremely fun year, particularly at the end. Uh, Purdue senior night was epic. Beating Louisville in the NCAA tournament was was a fantastic memory. And so uh, really appreciate everything all those guys did for the Gopher basketball program.
0: Without question, without question.
1: Well, folks, uh, from a basketball
0: season perspective, that's going to do it for us. We will likely, over the next couple of weeks here, shift back to football as uh, we are in the middle of spring uh, football practices. The Gophers will have their spring scrimmage on uh, April 13th at TCF Bank Stadium. It actually looks like the weather uh, might be uh, trending in a good direction for that, so you may start to hear some voices that you uh, recognize from the fall here in the uh, coming weeks. We'll see how that goes. Um, and as far as the rest of the offseason, uh, things are a little bit up in the air for taking all wrong. But um, as things develop and certainly as we get closer to uh, the fall, we will be back on a regular basis and uh, and uh, be talking more Gopher football as we get into the fall. Uh, appreciate everybody listening. Um, as we say every week, clink them and drink them. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you sharing the podcast. Uh, many of you sticking with us through basketball season. It's been a lot of fun for us and we appreciate you listening and engaging with us on Twitter. So for West coast, Jake, uh, I am JD mill jeffrick would remind you to stay classy and go gophers and i will remind you to row the boat and sky you mountain.